Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. My very special guest on the show today is Dr. Yasmin Majid. Welcome, Yasmin. Thank you very much, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Excellent. So, Dr. Majid shares a similar background to myself. She is a family physician. She's a fellow of the, the College of Family Physicians and she's an assistant clinical professor. But her location is in Calgary. So, Dr. Majid, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to this place with a passion for helping people with pain. That's a very loaded question. <laughs> so, I've been in Calgary for the past 20 years, and originally I'm from Pakistan where I graduated. I came to Canada and went through the usual hoops of getting into the system. I was very fortunate to be able to practice once again. In Pakistan, I had a background working with children. And it was interesting when I came to Canada, the only openings that I had was working with seniors. So that enriched my experience until I finally got to work in chronic pain many years later. And it was just in family practice when I was practicing, I saw a lot of people with chronic pain and I was not comfortable in the level of training that I had received. And that's another issue that at a medical college and university levels, chronic pain is not taught like a system, like it should be taught. So having worked, having got further training in that, and then starting my work as a chronic pain physician, I have learned a lot. And it has actually been a privilege working with these people because my patients have taught me just listening to them. So the first step that I think that is critical, that has helped me understand their situation is by listening to them and by hearing their stories. And I really wish I had time and I could write a book and each chapter would be a different story, the different patients. So each one is so unique in their experience and their suffering. So it's been very rewarding for me mm. to work in this field. I also work with seniors and their pain, again, is another issue because they, like in the long-term care setting, it's often underestimated and not assessed and hence not managed well. So both of these things, like that's my, my, now just going a little bit back in time, my father passed away very early, like many years ago. So when I see these older patients, I see my dad in them and I kind of see, think how, like, what would I do for him if he was in this situation? So anyway, I don't want to get too emotional, but you know, it all ties down into why it's so close to my heart. Yes, wonderful. Wonderful story. 
And I can really relate to your passion and your desire because there's no question about it. The education on pain is inadequate. And I think one of the reasons is it's an experience. We know the definition of pain is an emotional experience and a sensory experience. It's not an organ that's not working or a body part that's not working. And our whole medical system is geared towards looking at people with mechanical problems and trying to figure that out with x-ray scans, investigations, treatments. And at the end of the day, that's not hitting the mark. And I have exactly the same feelings about the inadequacy of education. So I'd like just to ask you for our audience, you know, who are the general public, who many of which have got chronic pain and are thinking, well, yeah, that's their experience too. What would be any tips for our audience regarding the insights that you've gained over the years and how we can actually help them? So the most important thing I've learned, first of all, from two things, right? There is the physician that wants to help the patient. And then there is this patient who's suffering that needs help. How do we bring it all together? So I think it's a partnership that we have to work in. So it's not the physician that will really make a difference if the patient is not motivated and not willing to make the lifestyle changes or even changes in the thought process. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Like it has humbled me because I can't do anything if I don't have that support from the patient. So what I would tell my audience is that if you have chronic pain, do not lose hope. There are ways that you can change the way your nerves are processing this information to your brain. And it is a slow process. But I've seen a lot of success with that. And I've even seen people go on very little medications and function well. So those are the key points that I would like to emphasize. Of course, with a lot of help, like you can't do it alone. And I can't do it alone, but we need help from physio. We need psychologists. We, need, we may need occupational therapists as well. So I think all these things go hand in hand when we talk about managing chronic pain. Excellent. And um, you mentioned that not to lose hope because we can change the nervous system. So can you explain to our audience a little bit more of the science behind that? Like, how is that possible? So what happens is that when we have acute pain, uh, we, there is an injury and it's actually protecting our body, right? So that we get the help and we get the management and that injury is treated in the right way. For example, if there's a cut or a bleed, then we need to stop the bleeding. We need to suture it and we need to manage the infection. What happens in chronic pain is that there is no acute danger, but the body senses a danger and it sends those signals to the brain, which then come back in the form of chronic pain. It's, it's perceived as a pain sensation because it's, it's something that is dysregulated. The system gets, the nerves start firing, misfiring, basically. So the way to address that situation is to calm the nerves down. So it's a bad, vicious cycle. Sometimes people can get caught in with anxiety. So when you have chronic pain and then you get anxious, then it all multiplies and then the nerves start firing more and then you experience more pain. So the first step in the whole entire thing is to make sure that you understand the mechanism of chronic pain. Once you understand it, 
you will be able to process things better. And it's not an easy thing. It's not a thing that can be quickly attempted. It's a slow process, but it's just something that we have to understand that we need to really calm the nerves down. That's the main message I want to get. Yes. Uh, wonderful. It's, it's almost like you're talking to my patients in my seat every day, because this is the language and the description that I talk about as well, calming the nervous system down. So what are the ways that our audience can calm the nervous system down? So the first thing that I forgot to mention is that what I was talking about is what we call neuroplasticity. That is the fancy term that we use for it. What we can do for it is like, there are things that we can use, like we know we have all heard about meditation, mindfulness, and counseling. We need to really reflect on our own situation first and then work on those things that we need help with. And I'm not saying that chronic pain is something that it's just a mental health issue or something, but if you are suffering from chronic pain, most likely you have anxiety, you get depressed, especially if you're not sleeping well and your pain is not well managed. So the first step is to see your doctor, of course. If you need medications, then get the medications so that you can sleep better and your pain flares are controlled. Only then can you focus on other things to calm your nerves like we talked about. So there are a lot of apps that you can use for meditation. And if there is a support with counseling, then please go for that. And mindfulness is another thing that we need to all be aware of. And what mindfulness means is that to be in the moment, so taking one day at a time, rather than getting overwhelmed with your life. If you have a good doctor, they will support you. If you need some time off, that's fine to work on those things. But the important thing is not to give up and not to lose hope. And think of one thing that will give you that purpose and that hope in moving on with your life. Beautiful. So our patients are, you know, hopefully they're practicing some of these things, being in the moment. You said one day at a time. Is there any specific tips, like just simple active meditation, paying attention to the senses that you maybe use on a regular basis for patients? Because I know the term is wonderful, but the practical thing of doing it moment by moment. So how does that work? So, for example, we do a lot of things without paying attention to them. So if you just take even a raisin, for example, most of the times when we are eating or we are doing anything, we take things for granted. We take all our sensations for granted. So paying attention to those, uh, just feel the raisin or feel whatever you, you have available. And then when you put it in your mouth, just feel that sensation and then gradually chew it and swallow it. But that whole process will also give you some, like you will be in the moment, you will be paying attention. That's one way of doing it. The other way is deep breathing or breathing exercises are really good. So you, if you close your eyes and you take a deep breath, then you feel that breath right from your toes, gradually moving up to your lower legs, your thighs, then your stomach, your arms, and your neck, like slowly experiencing that breath. It is the breath that is actually running our body. Like it is so important. And yet we are so 
removed from it, right? We don't pay attention. So these little things, if you do those on a regular basis, even for five minutes at one time, like if you do it five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, uh, you will notice things changing in your body. So just to clarify, I think I get what you're saying, but just to clarify for the audience, so you're spending five minutes sitting or lying down and you're being aware of your feet and you're taking a breath in and out and focusing on your feet. And then the next breath you would move up maybe to your ankles and then the next breath up to your calves and you work your way up to your head with every breath. That's right, yes. And, you know, I think our audience... Everybody will be slightly different with this, but you know, sometimes breathing for three seconds on the inhalation, and I suggest in through the nose and out through the mouth. There's no right way to do this. If you can do four or five seconds on an inhalation and exhalation, really good for calming your anxiety levels and your nervous system down. And and actually, what's going on in these situations is that the parasympathetic nervous system—that's the part to do with calming response and the relaxation response in the nervous system and literally you're switching off the move away from the sympathetic which is the opposite that's the fight flight that's what dr majid was talking about at the beginning how your sense is danger and you respond to danger and it's a survival mechanism that we all have but in the chronic pain state it doesn't switch off unless we consciously do something about it and this is one wonderful simple thing that we can do as you said twice a day basis and to reprogram this nervous system. And as we continue to do this, then you will slowly change the reality of your nerves and your pain experience. You know, these are things that I talk about every single day as well to my patients. And I really thank you for just explaining that. I'd like to move on to this next subject in my mind because I've also had experience working with elderly in the past, being a director of nursing homes, et cetera. And I'd just like to please tell our audience the reality for these seniors who are maybe 80 or older and like, why do they get pain or do they get pain more than the 60 year olds, 50 year olds? What's your experience of that? So as we grow older, obviously our body is aging and there is, there are degenerative changes happening in our bodies. So a lot of our seniors may have osteoarthritis, which can start developing earlier on. But, with less movement, when they're not moving as much, the body gets deconditioned. And that contributes to pain as well because the joints are not moving. We need to move our joints. We need exercise. And people who continue to move experience better health. With the seniors, in addition to a diagnosis of osteoarthritis, they may have other diagnoses as well. For example, they may have diabetes that can lead to some neuropathic pain or they may have other rheumatological conditions, or there are a number of medical conditions that can cause pain. So they do have pain. Unfortunately, we have the stigma of being older and having to live with pain because sometimes people say, you're old, what else do you expect? And that should not be the case because we all have a right to quality of life. And if medications need to be used, they have to be used. I'm a strong advocate for physiotherapy, and I think, unfortunately, we don't have the resources in our nursing homes for people to use. And I think that's something that I've been advocating for as well, that we need to treat our seniors with respect. Once you get into a nursing home, suddenly you change. Your, everything changes for you. All the benefits and everything change. So 
that's something we should think about as a society. Like, how do we treat our vulnerable? Right, that's very important. So they have pain for various reasons. The important thing is for nurses, it's not just for physicians, but even nursing staff to be able to assess pain. We have done some QI projects at our facilities and we have identified some gaps. So there are tools that can be used to assess pain and they're really even with people who have dementia or cannot verbally communicate pain. There are tools that can be used for them as well. And have you found that being helpful of going on to like help the quality of life through these tools? Absolutely. Because we use PainAd, P-A-I-N-A-D, like PainAd for dementia patients. And it's just that once it's identified and it's communicated to the physician and they start them on some medication, that can help them move and improve function. And it adds quality to their life. They can go for recreation. They can interact better with their family members and friends. So it is very important to not to neglect this piece. The other thing is that now things have settled down, but a lot of antipsychotics were being used in long-term care facilities for agitation. And the agitation sometimes came from chronic pain as well. So if we treat chronic pain, sometimes a person is agitated, they're not able to communicate and they have not been assessed for pain. If we don't do that assessment, we treat something and we don't really address the main cause. So I think there's a lot of things that can go hand in hand with not managing chronic pain appropriately. Yes, it's a really important subject. And I think you're the first one really to discuss this on the podcast show after several years of starting. And it's, you know, we're all headed in that direction. You know, we're all going to get older if we survive. And we're all going to have to face these issues that you've been mentioning. You know, what advice would you give our audience tonight as we look forward to minimize the experience of pain as we get older? The first thing is to have a positive attitude. Learn to deal with your emotions in a positive way. Communicate with your physician, communicate with your family. If you have chronic pain, just don't think you're alone. There are lots of people that can help you. And work on strategies, non-pharmacological strategies first. Medications are certainly there if you have serious chronic pain issues, but think about addressing your anxiety if you have anxiety or depression. I have seen a lot of patients that will not admit to anxiety or depression because they think the physician will focus on that and then their pain will be undermined. It's not that. It's just that they're both intertwined together. First of all, understanding what's happening to you and not getting into that depression because if you start going down into depression, then it can get worse. So early treatment is really important and identifying what you're experiencing and sharing it with your physician is the first step, I would say, and then going from there and asking for a referral if your physician is not comfortable treating or managing chronic pain. Well, thank you so much. It's been really refreshing to talk to a fellow colleague in the same, same line of medicine and you know branching out into these areas where we see the need and we are doing things over and above our, our training to make a difference. And I think at the end of the day, if we're all got that attitude, medicine will blossom and will become very, very effective at what we're trying to do, is, as you know, is to be not just doctors, but healers and help people on the journey with their suffering and pain in this case. So I'd just like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on tonight. And it's been wonderful to see you and talk and, and share this platform and to get the message out, you know, that your brain is neuroplastic. Your brain can change. 
And as we get older, we can do things now to prevent it with positive attitude, top of the list as we go forward. So again, I thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks.